Thank you, worship team. I'm going to invite uh, Reverend Renee Embry to come up and join us. Um, she'll be leading us in uh, God's word this morning. Now, uh, those of you who have been with us this summer know that we've been doing a series called Inspired. And uh, the whole idea is that uh, we want to highlight uh, people throughout God's history of people who have taken God's passion, turned them into wonderful things, and have made a, a big difference. And uh, I'm not going to lie, as I've been praying and thinking about my messages, uh, Reverend Renee Embry was one of the persons who I was thinking of uh, possibly just talking about. Uh, so even better, we have Renee here uh, in person, in the flesh. Uh, uh, Reverend Renee Embry is a very special person to me and to all of us. Now, uh, Rivercross Church is part of a bigger family of churches called the Canadian Baptists of Atlantic Canada. And Renee is the director of the Youth and Family Department. And so uh, it means a lot of things. I know there are a lot of behind-the-scenes things that uh, the department does under Renee's leadership. Uh, but there's some big-picture things, too, and I'm sure she'll be sharing a little bit. But just a little glimpse, some things that might be familiar to us is when I say that our teens are heading to one con in Moncton, well, that's through the leadership of the CBAC Youth and Family Department. Or when we send a team to uh, Tidal Impact, well, that's the CBAC Youth and Family Department. Uh, and there are so many other ways uh, that God has been using Renee, her leadership, and her team, and our church families to make a wonderful difference in the challenge of will you join God in changing Atlantic Canada one neighborhood at a time. And uh, we're just so thankful to have Renee here. Uh, she also teaches. Uh, she's on the faculty as the director of the Youth and Young Adults Program at Acadia Divinity College. And uh, she's one of us. As uh, many of you know, Renee was ordained through Main Street and through the church family here. Uh, she attends with us when she can, if she's not traveling on the road. And Renee is also our voice in the bigger church family around the world. Renee travels from church to church to encourage and to equip. She also represents us in lots of meaningful ways around the world. And so, Renee, uh, we're thankful to have you here this morning, and God bless you as you lead us. Thank you, Matt. Great to be home. Great to be with you. Yeah, I have always feel so loved by Rivercrest. Thank you for loving me so well, no matter where I go in the world. And I know many of you follow me on social media and are wondering, where is Renee next? When my friend said they should put a GPS on me so you can all keep track of me at all times. Maybe I'll think of that for, for next year. Well, I am so glad that your family is part of our larger family of Baptist churches in Atlantic Canada. You're part of a family of about 450 churches around Atlantic Canada. And our whole job is to cheer you on. And so we pray for you regularly. Uh, we hope that we're challenging you and helping you to join God in your neighborhoods here in the greater St. John area. And you can keep track of what's happening in CBAC world by following us anytime on our social media. Well, it's great to be part of this Inspire series that you're looking at this summer. And uh, I got a little video to introduce you to one of the people that inspires me. It might be a surprise who it is. A television program for children made its unauspicious debut on station WQED in Pittsburgh. Its host, Fred Rogers. Mr. Rogers? Yeah. I want to tell you something. What would you like to tell I like you. I like you, my dear. Thank you very much for telling me that. You take all of the elements that make good television and do the exact opposite. You have Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Low production values, simple set, unlikely star. Yet, it worked. Hello. 
I've always felt that I didn't need to put on a funny hat or jump through the hoop to have a relationship with a child. He was always trying to get a message across in every show. A week on death. What does assassination mean? A divorce. Some people get married and after a while they're so unhappy that they don't want to be married anymore. He was radical. I know everyone says that, but he was radical. They didn't want black people to come and swim in their swimming pools. My being on the program was a statement for Fred. A neighborhood was a place where, at times, that you felt worried, scared, unsafe, would take care of you. He had a singular vision of kindness and love. Love is at the root of everything. All learning, all relationships, love or the lack of it. Children have very deep feelings, just the way everybody does. There must be times when you do feel blue. I'm not feeling blue right now, though. Me neither. <laughs> Won't you be my neighbor? Well, I suppose it's an invitation. It's an invitation for somebody to be close to you. The greatest thing that we can do is to help somebody know that they're loved and capable of loving. blood pressure just come down and your heart rate slow, even just watching that clip about Mr. Rogers. And he does seem like an unlikely hero in your Inspire series this summer. This quiet, unassuming Presbyterian minister who made a TV show on a small budget with no bells and no whistles and wore dad shoes and a cardigan every day. And yet this documentary that you just saw the preview for that came out uh, this summer in theaters has made over $21 million. And that's the highest grossing biographical documentary of all time. That's where the most superhero movies make, right? So why the obsession with this Carnegie-wearing man? I think it's because Mr. Rogers figured out how to simply love to love anyone that crossed his path. And, and anyone that you talk to that crossed his path will tell you how they immediately felt valued in his presence. It didn't matter if they were rich or poor. It didn't matter if they came from a, a different demographic than him. It didn't matter if they were young or old. It didn't matter what political party they supported. It didn't matter if they shared his Christian faith or not. Nothing mattered that in his presence they felt loved and valued no matter who they were. And so this simple man with this simple television show had his show run from 1968 to 2001. He earned a Presidential Medal of Freedom and over 40 honorary degrees because our world is so desperate for unconditional love. You know, many seniors, adults, young adults, youth, kids, maybe youth and kids especially, go through the day feeling like nobody really loves them. No one really has the time for them. 
I was reading a recent study that just came out in Canada, and it was saying that teenagers today feel completely abandoned by the adults in their world, in their life. You know, it's hard to feel valued and cared for when a beep on a phone is more important when you're right in front of them. It's hard to feel valued and appreciated and that the adults have time for you when their lives are so full already. And my guess is that it's not just kids and youth, that many people in our world today feel like no one really knows them. No one really has the time for them. No one really loves them. And I guarantee that right now, if all of us thought about what we do in the course of a week, that there's somebody that we cross paths with that is feeling this way, feeling unknown and unloved in our world today. Maybe it's even you. I bet every one of us has felt that way a time or two as we've gone through life. Because our world, people around us every day are desperate to know that somebody loves them, somebody respects them, somebody sees value in them. There's this African Zulu greeting that I really like. So instead of saying hello and hello back when they meet each other, if you meet someone in, the, in African the Zulu language, you say to them, I see you. And in response, the person says, I am here to be seen. So in the greeting, I see you, you're acknowledging that you truly see the person right in front of you. Whether you see them in the trouble that they're going through right now, or you see them in their joy right now, it's you saying, I see you, I'm willing to see you as you currently are. And the response, I'm here to be seen, is actually a really vulnerable response. It's, I'm here and I will not hide from you. I'm here and I receive the gift of your presence and being vulnerable with you and you getting to know me and you recognizing me. I feel understood by you. You know, that sounds a little more vulnerable than our, hey, doesn't it? It's a little more than, hi, isn't it? So in fact, let's try it. Turn to somebody right now, even to someone you don't know yet, and say to somebody, I see you, and the person responds, I am here to be seen. Give it a try. Well done. You can continue the conversation you just started after the service, I promise. So if I had to sum up what made Mr. Rogers, the simple man, so impactful in our world, it's because he had that ability to really see people and to help them know that he truly saw them when they were in front of him, that he heard them, he valued them, and he communicated love to them, a love that our world is so desperate for today. Isn't that true in our world today, that we're desperate for love? You know, as our heightened need for approval, competition, always online, always needing to be on and online and our best online, troubles in the news, the anger we see surging in communities around us, even in some churches, in places here at home in New Brunswick. Most of us, I think, in society today are asking, where's the love? Where's the love? And not just love from the people we expect it from. We expect love from those in our family and, and even in our, our church family. 
but love for fellow humanity, love for others we don't really know yet, love for strangers, love for those that are different than us. Because love is radical and transformative, especially when it comes from unexpected places, like a Carnegie-wearing older man on a low-budget kids' show. So today, I just want to highlight three things that I noticed at looking at Mr. Rogers' life that I think we would do well to emulate in our lives today. And my hope is that we, as God's people, would start putting these things into practice in our own lives. So the first thing I notice in Mr. Rogers' life is he lives out his faith. He doesn't hide his faith. For him, his belief in God, his faith in God, wasn't a Sunday only thing. It wasn't private. He lived it out daily. In fact, he very much brought it into his work, into his television. On his television show, he promoted Christian values. He talked openly about his faith and he showed unconditional love. He helped children on his show understand even tough topics and difficult questions. And his deep Christian faith wasn't just contained to the walls of a church. He took his faith in Jesus everywhere he went, every day, including into his work in television. In Matthew 5, 14 to 16 on the screen, it says, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, you let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. You know, here's the strange thing that happens to us church people sometimes. We come here and we get our, our light lit, we get fired up and we get this connection with God and peace with God and we think that's good enough that's what it's all about me staying connected to God isn't that great that I'm getting to church and I'm getting my family to church but you know in scripture and in the life of Jesus he doesn't let us get away with just saying that because faith was never meant to be just a private matter uh, this was never meant to be coming to church, was never meant to be the end point, but was to be the starting point. In fact, the Bible calls us a liar. A liar if we think we can just love God or just come to church or even just study the Bible and separate it from what we do the rest of the week. The Bible makes very clear you cannot separate your love from God from your love for others. In James 1, the Bible says if we just come and listen to a sermon or we just read our Bible or come and sing a few songs, but then we walk away and we don't do what we just heard, we're a liar. Listen to James 1, 22 to 25. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. 
So this faith, it's meant to be lived out all week long. Jesus really does leave no room for saying, hey, I go to church, or even, hey, I love God, but do nothing to show it in how we treat other people and how we live. Love for God and love for others is completely inseparable if you're a follower of Jesus. In Matthew 22, this religious, rule-following, church-going kind of person asked Jesus directly. He says, teacher, Jesus, which is the greatest commandment in the whole of Scripture, in the whole of history? And Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And then he adds, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love God, love your neighbor. Our friend Bruxy, a preacher at the meeting house, points out, do you see what Jesus did there? He was asked for the top, top commandment. He wasn't asked for the top two commandments. He was asked for the greatest commandment. But in his response, Jesus showed he would not let, it, let us separate love for God from love for others. He knew that loving God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength without an equal commitment to love our neighbor as ourselves could lead us to religious piety, could lead us to ignoring the hurting people around us, or even worse, hurting people around us. And so Jesus, beyond saying, hey, love others as you love yourself, actually pushes us further in scripture and he ends up telling his disciples and telling us don't just love others as you love yourself love as Jesus loved love the way Jesus loved them now talk about a major upgrade because how did Jesus love how does Jesus love sacrificially sacrificially fully completely loving enemies loving those that nailed him to the cross Loving like Jesus loves. Loving as our neighbor as Jesus loves is our act of worship. It shows our love for God. Loving others as Jesus loved is our act of worship. And Mr. Rogers showed this worship, loving others every day. We really do need both, loving God and loving neighbor. If we're just loving God and doing an hour on Sunday thing, really, we're a religious hypocrite. Because if we say we love God, but we're not doing exactly what God told us to do, letting our light shine, loving our neighbor, our different than us neighbor, our I don't understand them neighbor, our neighbor that always wants to fight about the fence, our enemy neighbor, we're not doing what God said. And you know, sometimes in church, We've been so taught to prioritize our relationship with God and getting that right and doing our devotionals and listening to sermons and learning about God. But Jesus challenges that priority and says you simply do not love God, can't love God, if you're not daily practicing loving those people right around you that have been made in God's image. So if we just love God, we're a religious hypocrite. But if we aren't sure about God, and we're just trying to love our neighbor, we're really a moral atheist. 
trying to do all on our own, leaving God out of it. Love God, love others. If we don't do one, we're a liar about the other one. So which one do you lean towards? We all lean towards one or the other. Do you lean towards emphasizing loving God and dismissing others and, and not following God's requirement to love deeply, especially the downtrodden? Or do you lean towards loving others and just being a really nice, good person? But really, you're leaving God out of your life. Our love for God is worked out in how we love those around us. Faith, a relationship with God, is meant to be this light that shines in the world, that permeates everywhere we go and everything we do, the places that we live, work, study, and play. So part of how the world knew that this Mr. Rogers had a deep love for God was how it worked itself out in his deep love and respect for everyone around him. So first challenge for Mr. Rogers, Rogers is that he challenges us to live out our faith daily in how we're loving others. And so my question for you on this challenge is, can you name ways that you're shining your faith right now, today, in the places that you live, work, study, and play? How are you shining your faith like he did in the places where you work, where you live, where you study, where you play? So the first question Mr. Rogers forces us to ask is, how am I living my faith the rest of the week when I'm not here? Would the people around me say, oh yes, I see God in them. Oh yes, when I am around them, I feel loved and valued the way I think God would love and value me. Where out there do you need to let your light shine? Well, the second thing we see in Mr. Rogers' life that challenges me is he was very real, and he faced difficult issues head on. He was not afraid, even with kids, to talk about the tough stuff because he was not ashamed of the gospel. He threw out the Christian platitudes. Oh, everything will be fine. Oh, God is faithful, which are true, but he knew that even kids needed deeper answers that, than that for difficult questions. Mr. Rogers believed in, that he couldn't act out a different persona on the stage or on tele, television than he was off stage and in person. One of the quotes, he says, is one of the greatest gifts you can give anybody is the gift of your honest self because even kids can spot a phony a mile away. So he talked directly to kids about things like race issues and violence and wars and divorce and hatred and death. You know, in, in Romans 1, in our Bibles, it says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. For it is the gospel, for in the gospel, a righteousness from God is revealed. A righteousness, a goodness that is from faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. You know, sometimes I think we're afraid. I'm afraid. I'm afraid or we're afraid that Jesus and our Christianity won't stand up to some of the big challenges and questions in the world today, the uncertainty in the world today. I am not ashamed of the gospel. 
It is the power of God. I am not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God. Can you say that with me? I am not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God. So it definitely can stand. We don't have to pretend that evil isn't evil or things aren't bad because we have a light that shines in any darkness. We do have robust answers to difficult questions in our world. And so just like Mr. Rogers, we can talk about death. We can talk about sexuality. We can talk about sniping presidential comments. We can talk about work complications and the complexity of any cultural issue today with honesty and with hope. We can talk about God without fear because it is the power of God. It is the power of God at work as we are faithful to shine our light. And God is at work in each of these difficult conversations. So the second challenge Mr. Rogers forces me, forces us to ask is who around me in my life have I been avoiding talking about the tough stuff? Who in my life have I been avoiding talking about God and things of faith? Who have I been avoiding initiating that difficult conversation with honesty and with grace? We can take a line from Mr. Rogers here and avoid the phony and give the gift of an honest, authentic, difficult conversation, that willingness to enter the tough stuff. Well, the third thing I learned from Mr. Rogers is to value each and every one. Mr. Rogers really treated all people as cherished creations of God, no matter what. And we learn in the beginning of our Bibles in Genesis, when it talks about the creation of the world, it talks about the creation of us as human beings as the most precious thing, and that every single human is created in God's image. Therefore, that means that every single person we meet deserves our respect, our love, our value. They are created in the image of God. They have the thumbprint of God on their life. And it doesn't matter how messed up or marred by brokenness and hurt and sin and things that have been done to them or things they have done that their life has become. They bear the image of God. And so they deserve our love and our respect long before or even if they never start following Jesus. They deserve our respect. So that means if we trample on somebody else in any way, make a derogatory comment, a sexual comment, a snide remark, dismiss their thoughts on a topic, make them feel like we don't have time for them, make them feel less than, we're trampling on the image of God. We're trampling on God's precious creation. And ow, that one hurts. Because how often do I, during the course of a week, week trample on the image of God in somebody else. You know, too often, the people right around us, we don't give them our attention. We're just too busy, or we don't think they're part of the right crowd, or they're just different than us. Just last week, I was in, at Walmart, and the person in front of me in line was a, a sourpuss sort. And uh, they didn't respond to the cashier's question when the cashier said, so did you find everything you're looking for? 
sourpuss. And then the cashier said, you know, have a nice day, sourpuss. So I came up next, and the cashier goes in this loud voice, well, you have a nice day, too. And she said to me, why do some people not even acknowledge me? And I thought, ouch, good question. Too often, we're just rushed. We don't see the person right in front of us. We don't have the time. We don't value the one serving us. We don't see people. We don't think it matters how I treat them because they're not really one of us. But everybody bears the image of God. Everybody is looking for acknowledgement that you see them, that you value them. I see you. I am here to be seen. They are created in the image of God, and so it matters how you and I treat them. The person right in front of us is the most important person in the world at that moment. Not someone trying to contact us on our phone, not what we have to do next, not someone we deem more valuable, more worthy of my time. The person right in front of us is deeply loved by God, and are they getting that message from us? How do we treat the person right in front of us? Are we quick to move on, or do we make sure they know we see them, we value them? This is what Mr. Rogers was a master at. He knew Jesus' command, where Jesus says, a new command I give to you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. That's exactly what Mr. Rogers was so good at. And that's how people figured out he was a follower of Jesus, because he loved and cared for everybody that crossed his path. One of my favorite moments that I came across in Mr. Rogers' life was when he was at the lifetime, receiving the Lifetime Achievement Award at the 1997 Daytime Emmys. So Mr. Rogers comes up on the stage to receive this award, and you can imagine the crowd, right? It's like these tanned men with strong jaws and women in tight dresses and quiet little Mr. Rogers gets up on stage and he gives this polite little bow, and then he just says, all of us have somebody special. Someone's special people that have loved us into being. Would you just take a moment, 10 seconds, along with me to think of the people that have helped you become who you are? 10 seconds of silence. And he lifts his watch to look at his, his wrist, and he just says, I'll watch the time for us. And then there's this laughter from the crowd as they think Mr. Rogers is joking. And then they realize he's being serious. And then one, two, three seconds. And then in this crowd of celebrities and soap opera stars and daytime talk show stars, you see the mascara start to run. You see those jaws clench. You see people weeping. And after 10 seconds, Mr. Rogers just says softly, may God be with you. He loved everybody and wanted them to know they were loved. And in 10 seconds, he knew how to show people they were deeply loved and valued. So this last one forces me to ask, 
Who am I acting dismissively towards? Who, maybe a person, maybe a group of people, maybe a pocket of our society, who am I acting dismissively towards? And how could I take a step to show them love and value? So really practical things for loving the people right in front of us, really quickly, one, you know these ones. Listen, <laughs> really listen to what they're saying to you and stop yourself from just saying what you want to say and projecting your thoughts on them, but repeat back what they're saying. Listen, use their name, ignore your phone, and then ask them some really great questions that invite them to reveal more about themselves and their lives. You know, what gives you joy these days? What's challenging you right now? Who in your life do you know really loves you? Or how's your day going? I love using that one with cashiers. I just say, so how's your shift going in here today? And usually they tell me with amazing accuracy exactly how many minutes they have left in their shift. <laughs> the way we treat everybody right in front of us shows whether we really love God. So if I put a microscope on your life and looked at how you treat everybody that crosses your path, would I go, yep, they definitely love God? Or would I have some questions? How we treat others around us shows whether we really love God and whether God's love is translating into our life. How we treat people is our act of worship. And so wrapping up, Mr. Rogers shows us we don't have to be cool and flashy to let God's love shine through us. You can even wear a carnigan and dad sneakers every day and have a great impact on a whole generation, person by person. So these are the three things we learned from Mr. Rogers. Live it out, don't hide your faith, be real and face the tough issues, and value each and every one. And so we know that we can't just hear something here and leave it here. We've got to put it into action. I want you to choose your own homework for this week for putting this into action. Which of these three is a spot where you have growing to do in your life? Where do you have growing to do in one of these three? And you can ask God to make you more like Jesus in that area. How this week could you courageously take a step to put one of these three into practice in a fresh way? I'm going to trust and pray that God's Holy Spirit helps us each now know how to love like Jesus. Let's pray together. Oh, Heavenly Father, we love you and we need you. Fill us with your love. God, we know that we can't just say we love you if we're not willing to be your disciples and show that love to the world. And God, we look around us and we see how desperate our world is for love. May we be a people. May each and every person in this room be a person that knows how to love and value each person in front of them. God, may we become this contagious force out of this room that as people cross our path, even this very week, they will have a sense that they cross the path of Jesus that they have been loved and valued the way that Jesus would love and value them. And so, God, we ask for your Holy Spirit to highlight for each of us how we need to put this into practice in our own lives. We ask for your Holy Spirit to give us nudges this week so that we may love deeply 
as you have loved us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.